out, nobody on. The playoffs to Murphy. Left-hand batter, strike three called to the knees and right down the middle of the plate. But down, Murphy. Some games go on for a long time. This one's still going on in my mind. Welcome back to the Autobot Podcast. My name is Justin Vibber. You can find me on Twitter at Justin Vibber. I'm joined as always by Chad Young, who you can find on Twitter at Chad Young. On this episode, Niv Shaw unfortunately couldn't join us. So it's just going to be Chad and Justin. It's just the Chad and Justin show tonight. So we're going to cover our Nobody second Nobody really big... wants to listen to that. Well, I, I will say, as I was going through these notes... I feel like we're going to be a lot more agreeable than we have been on some of these prior episodes. So. I, you know, I told you this morning, I'm feeling agreeable today. So this is, <laughs> this is the right day to, to do So it's this. just Niv that, that, that causes us to be like oil and water. Without him, it's, it's a friendly dynamic. We're learning um, all sorts of interesting things now. <laughs> so we're going to continue our positional preview series tonight, and we're going to cover the, uh, the second base position. And uh, yeah, why don't I let you start if you want to talk about the top tier, and then we can just uh, go through our normal process from there. Yeah, I mean, the top of second base is not bad. <laughs> second base is, as a position is one that I just, I'm struggling with this year. I don't see a lot of, of value up and down the list. But at the top, there, there's, some, there's some good names. And I think for me, you know, the top guy is, is Glaber Torres, who I think we'll talk about more on the, the shortstop episode. So that leaves you with, sort of three guys near the top, maybe, maybe you squeak in a fourth, but really it's it's Albies, Muncie, and LeMahieu. LeMahieu, from a projection standpoint, looks like a distant third versus the other two, but he's been so good lately that I'm 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 tempted to, to push him up a little bit more closer to that tier rather than pushing him down closer to the next tier down. But I don't know. I, I would put Albies Muncie as the top two. I have a hard time putting LeMahieu above either of them. Yeah, I think I agree. It's it's really odd that there's really no – I feel like there is no elite tier at the second base position right now in Autonew. Like it's basically – I have a note here that I don't know that I want to spend more than $20 on any second baseman in Autonew points leagues. And it's not to say that none of them are worth 20 but I feel like there's so many functional alternatives in that five to fifteen dollar range or seventeen dollar range that I, no one really separates themselves. You've got Altuve who sort of backslid last year. I, I'm not, I'm not convinced that he won't bounce back. But even given that I have some optimism for Altuve, I don't think I'm interested if he's over twenty dollars. Yeah, I mean the surplus calculator has I think Albies is number one at twenty five dollars. I just, I've always seen a lot of risk in Albie's profile, and I'm not sure I have enough confidence to say he is the best second baseman, and yes, he's worth $25. To me, I I would want to push back on either of those positions. So, I think the reason I'm comfortable spending a little bit at the top of the second base list is, while I agree with you, there's a bunch of sort of functional guys in that 5 to 15 5 to $17 range. I see 
And if, I, if we don't count guys who are eligible at shortstop, actually, for a moment, let's count the guys who are eligible at shortstop. I see about 13-ish catch or second baseman catchers. What am I? <laughs> second base is not as bad as catcher. It's close. But I see about 13 guys that I'm interested in, that I feel like are solid options. And then there's a big drop. And, and among those 13 guys, almost all of them qualify at other spots. And for the most part, they're going to get used second base. But a couple of them are probably going to get used pretty heavily at shortstop. A couple of them might see might be on teams that are using them in the outfield or teams that are willing to take them as an extra middle infielder, which means that second base, you start to get into the depths pretty quickly. And after I get through, if I just quickly sort of read through this list, it's it's Torres, Albies, Muncie, LeMahieu, McNeil, Altuve, Lowe, Hap, Guriel, here, and then Cattell Marte. And then you get down to like Whit Merrifield, Nick Solak, Jonathan Scope. And then you're getting into guys like Jake Cronenworth or Brendan Rogers or Chris Taylor, where there's playing time concerns and things like that. I, I need a second baseman. <laughs> I need a second baseman who's going to play and who I can count on. And so while, yeah, I might be happier to take a you know, a ten to fifteen dollar Ian Happ or Brandon Lowe than a twenty to twenty-five dollar Albies. I'd rather bump up to twenty-five dollars on Albies and have him than potentially not have an opportunity in that that next tier and be stuck with a situation where my starting second baseman is like Ty France or Donovan Solano or Colin Moran, who I'm I like. They have some upside, they're interesting, but man, do they make me nervous as the guy I'm counting on. They, they would to me as well, to be clear. I, I would be nervous to have those as my starting second baseman. I, one of the things I wanted to point out as we discuss this, I think we mentioned it early in the positional preview, but I just want to cover it again real quick. When we're covering players at a certain position, we're doing it based on the hierarchy that I believe these positions have as far as the quality, the value of the replacement level, catcher being most valuable, shortstop being next most valuable, and then second base an outfielder close, and then third base worse than outfield, but again, very close to outfield, and then first base. And then if you wanted to consider util-only guys would be right around the first base range. So I feel like in many years in the past, second base was much more, shortstop was much more valuable than second base because there weren't the quality of hitters at the shortstop position. You had truly better high-end talent, across-the-board talent at second base. That gap to me has shrunk to virtually nothing, I feel like. I don't even think, and I mentioned this to you earlier, and when my my second base rankings are going to be up on Fangraphs on Thursday the 4th, and then Monday the 8th, whatever it is, will be my shortstop rankings. And what people will see when they read those, which I'm assuming everybody listening will take the time to do. <laughs> you should. Is... Everybody should read those. <laughs> but what, what you will see if, when you look at those is that my my second basemen are actually – it's almost flipped for me. So if I look at my my rankings right now, and I'm pulling them up real quick – I have Glaber Torres, as I mentioned, as my number one second baseman. He's my number seven shortstop. If I go further down the list, my number 19 second baseman is Jake Cronenworth. He's 23 at shortstop. My number 25 second baseman is Scott Kingery. He's 30 at shortstop. My number 30, let's see, go with number 41. So getting into sort of prospect space a little bit here, but Andreas Jimenez is my number 41 second baseman, my number 46 shortstop. Now, what that means is that 
a guy like Torres is actually more valuable to you as a second baseman than a shortstop. A guy, right? And that's that hasn't been the case before. It really surprised me. And I think in practice, in practice, what I found when I started to put my price tiers together is that effectively I don't care. A shortstop and a second baseman are both a middle infielder and the prices are the same. But in the past, I would have said, if you've got Glaber Torres, he's your starting shortstop and you'll find somebody to play second base. And I don't think that's true anymore. I actually think if I have Glaber Torres, he is my starting second baseman and I'm looking for a shortstop because I think that I am more likely to find somebody digging a little bit further down the list. Like I was just saying, you know, there's just 12, 13 second base qualifying guys and I'm sort of done. Well, if I go down to number 16 on my shortstop list, I've got Didi Gregorius there. I've got Marcus Simeon next, although he'll be second base eligible pretty soon. I've got Paul DeJong after that, Dansby Swanson after that. I feel a lot better about those guys than I do about that next tier of second baseman. So if I'm in a situation where I've got one elite guy and it's Glaber Torres, and then I'm piecing stuff together, Torres is going to end up as my second baseman, not as my shortstop. I'm way more likely to find a shortstop I like. And I and I think a lot of that is due to the shape of the of the player quality at each of these two positions. Where second base, there's really no high end, and then there's a very fat middle, <laughs> and then shortstop. It's I'm not going to say it drops off drastically, but there's like ten or twelve really strong shortstops that you could argue with the very best. Like you said, you've got Glaber Torres seventh on your shortstop list, and he's your number one second baseman. But there's four or five names even beyond him that I feel like are mostly interchangeable. And then I think due to the number, so so the way I do my baselines is based on the number of players at that position that are typically rostered for $2 or more, where I consider $2 to be above replacement level. So even with some of these things that we're talking about, shortstops still end up with like, I think the number's like th- more than 30 shortstops for two plus. Because I think auto new managers are just fo- so focused on that position that when you start looking at the 25th shortstop, it's a lot worse than the 25th second baseman, but the top 10 shortstops are much better than the top 10 second baseman. So I agree with you. Yeah. If you've got Glaber, he's, he's probably has higher utility at second base than he does shortstop, but I'm still comparing him against what would typically be a free agent in your league. And I think you can find a better second baseman freely available than a shortstop. I'm looking at my rankings right now, and at least for me, like my number 26 second baseman is Donovan Solano. My number 26 shortstop, well, it's a bad comparison because it's a prospect. It's Marco Luciano. I've got Chris Taylor at number 25, and like I said, I had him at 21 among my my second baseman. I get down to 30. My number 30, like if I look at a, an actual starting player around number 30 to 33, let's say at shortstop, you've got Kingery at 30. Jose Iglesias and Nick Ahmed at 32 and 33. I I don't think those guys are better or worse than the shorts, the second baseman I'm looking at in that similar range. I I, I mean, I think they are. I I, I would prefer Colin Moran, Gene Segura, Ryan McMahon. I'd I'd prefer all three of those to the shortstops that you just listed. So that's interesting. I've got I and maybe this is just a disagreement on who we value, but I've got Donovan Solano at my number twenty six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my number thirty five shortstop. And if if based on what you're saying about replacement level, it puts him as very close to replacement level at both spots. And and as I said, it's it's very close and it's narrowed quite a bit. And if you, and that's just based on surplus calculator dollar values, right? And that's based on depth charge projections. So if you're pushing against those in any way, 
I, I wouldn't fault anyone for making a claim that second base is actually the more valuable eligibility going into this year. I would not argue about that at all. But given what I'm looking at when I'm preparing these dollar values, it's still shortstop slightly above or better eligibility than than second base. But it's very close. And it's totally reasonable. I, and, and again, I think at the end of the day, if I've got a second baseman that I'm interested in and I find out he's gaining shortstop eligibility, he gets a little bit of value just from getting an extra position, but he doesn't gain any value because of what the position is. I, I think other than... Other than those couple of shortstop slash catcher guys out there, <laughs> the additional positional eligibility to me is just if you're if you're a shortstop, you're a second baseman. As far as I'm concerned, you're a middle infielder, and it's all the same right now. Yeah, I, I think I would agree. I think I absolutely would agree. Okay, let's move on to, to breakout picks. I'm going to let you start again. Who do you see as a breakout at second base? So the guy I'm really interested in is Nick Solak. Solak last year, his home run per fly ball rate plummeted from what it had been. Now, obviously, all of his numbers are pretty small sample size, but when he came up in 2019, uh, he looked really good. He had a 20.8% home run per fly ball rate, which was lower than what he'd been doing in the minors, but sort of you'd expect that. His his AAA numbers in 2019 were in 25 to 30% of a home run to fly ball rate. So 20.8 is, is not offline. Last year, it went down to 3.4%. It dropped a lot. But when you look at his stack cast numbers, his average exit velocity went up, his max exit velocity went up, his hard hit rate went up, his launch angle went up. His barrel rate actually went down, which his, his launch angle went from 6.3 to 9.4. You have that increase in launch angle plus an increase in a hard hit. I'm, I'm struggling to understand why his barrel rate went down other than just bad luck. He hit more, he got more balls in the ideal launch angle and got more balls at above the ideal exit velocity and yet didn't get that combination to happen. Right, the um, Venn diagram just wasn't there to create right. barrels. And so when I when I look at that, it's just like, he's hitting the ball harder and better in, in the air more and yet the numbers aren't there to back it up. And I have to, I, it makes me immediately think that if you gave him... 600 plate appearances instead of 200 plate appearances, we would have seen a much different end result from him. And this year, hopefully he'll get that 600. And so I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do this year. I think that you're going to see that home run per fly ball rate jump right back up to where it was during that rookie campaign, close to 20%. He may get hurt a little bit by the park. It's still a little hard to tell what that new Texas park is doing, but it certainly seems to be suppressing power more than, well, certainly more than the old Texas park was, which, did not suppress power even a little bit. Right. Uh, so that that may hurt him a little bit, but I think it's, I really like what I see. Yeah, I, I really like to pick two. And when I was prepping for this and you had done your prep before mine, I was thinking about him as my breakout pick and then saw that you had listed him and went, yep, okay, I agree with that. Let's find somebody else. It's interesting to me, I was looking at the last 10 auction price for Nick Solak and he's at six and a half dollars which is 14th highest at second base. So I feel like there is a little bit of, you know, following and buzz in the auto new community right now that agrees with you. So I wonder if he gets priced too high, you know, a little bit, but I agree. The breakout potential is absolutely there. I liked him a lot going into last year and then the eligibility helps, right? He's second base, third base and outfield eligible, which gives you some flexibility. And yes, second base is more valuable than those other two, but at least it gives you flexibility on, on, 
you know, in days where you might need to cover it in another spot. So yeah, and I think in a season where we're again going to see a lot of injuries, a lot of COVID IL stuff, having that flexibility, you don't want to use him in your outfield or at third base, but having the option still has value, even though it's not your first choice. Yep. Yep. My breakout pick is, and this might be the only spot where we did, spoiler alert, this might be the only spot where we might disagree a little bit on this podcast, is Kevin Biggio. I, he's, yes, I, I'm going back to the well for the young middle in, middle infielder in Toronto with, with a, a legacy aspect to him, but he has really strong play discipline skills. I think he has more power potential than he's shown so far. And I also think if you're, a fantasy manager and you're used to playing in five by five and you're thinking about things like high average and steals and home runs. Well, he doesn't really give you that. He's a lower average, high on base, high doubles sort of hitter, which I think can provide a lot of sneaky value in things like the auto new four by four and points formats, because those things are traditionally not as valued as much in, in the wide fantasy community. The stack cast numbers from 2020 are not great for Biggio, but he did have an expected weighted on base of 351 from 2019. And that to me is what I'm I'm pointing to and looking at when I think he could break out and be a 350, 360 weighted on base this year. Yeah, I don't even I don't even disagree with that. I think the the reason I went with Solak over Biggio is that they're like if I'm looking at the average salaries page right now, Nick Solak's going for 650 over his last 10 ads. Over his last 10 ads, Biggio is going for 1510. And that to me was enough that it's like, I don't know, I kind of think Biggio is being paid at a, a fair price. And given the conversation we just had about, you know, is there any second baseman worth sort of 20 to $25 is there anyone you're pushing that range? I'm not sure how much breakout potential Biggio has on the basis that I'm not sure he actually, quote unquote, breaks out enough to be a $25 player instead of a the 15 to $20 player he's sort of already getting paid as. So I, I'm a little bit, I actually, I, I, I totally agree with everything you're saying about him. I think it's a, maybe you a just the upside question. Yeah. Right. The upside is capped. And, and I, and I would say like in a, in a, in a technically speaking aspect, Biggio could be a bust in, in terms of the price. Cause yeah, he's, his last 10 ads is $15. He's only $9 on the surplus calculator. So if you just look at his mean projections, he's, he's maybe a little overpriced, but I, I'm sort of putting my foot down and saying, okay, if I can't pick Solak, I'm going to pick Biggio as a guy that I just think could take another step. And yes, the power potential is capped. The the up the massive upside isn't going to be there, but I think he could be a $25, $30 second baseman at his prime. So, and I think that that could come sooner rather than later. And if he can get there, then yeah, he's a breakout. I just, I think that he's more likely to end up as a $20 than a $25. And then it feels more like, a marginal improvement over his current VAT price rather than a, a true breakout. But Right. The other name I wanted to mention real quick, and this is a very context-specific call-out right here, is Nick Madrigal. I think if you play in a 5x5, five five, he's a great breakout pick. If you're playing in the, the points or 4x4 four four formats for Audenew, I'm not sure he's going to hit. I mean, he has no power. And I, and I don't think that the profile has any sort of ceiling in the points and 4x4 four four format. But in five by five, the high average scoring a lot of runs in that lineup and and stealing bases, yeah, I think he could be potentially a league winner in five by five, depending on where you can acquire him. I don't think so. My my take on Madrigal, I think that his on base skills in general, if he gets the leadoff spot at some point, and I don't know if and when that's going to happen. I think he's more likely a ninth place hitter than he is a first place hitter on that team, especially given the talent they have. 
if he were leading off, his on-base skills, the fact that he'll play basically every day would be enough to give him some decent floor in points leagues that if you're looking for a guy who can just sort of sit on your bench and be available to you, the one thing he doesn't bring that I usually look for in a backup middle infielder is he can't play multiple positions. Uh, There's so many backup middle infielders who get third base or outfield, and he's not going to get any of that. He is a second baseman, and that's what he's going to be. But especially if you're in a situation where your starter is, you know, you've got Glaber Torres and you've got Marcus Simeon. And so you've got a couple of guys who can move around a little bit. Then all of a sudden his lack of eligibility doesn't prevent him from moving other people around, but he's got to lead off because if he's hitting ninth, the, the, the thing is that he's going to be one of these guys who like, he can give you a really steady, solid points per plate appearance, but he's not going to give you those big breakout points per games because he's not going to hit enough home runs. And so he has to be getting a lot of plate appearances. And right now he's not in line to do that. I actually, though, even I, I like him almost less in five by five because I'm I'm a little worried he's sort of a a one and a half category guy. I don't know that he's going to steal enough bases to be a difference maker there. He's going to drive up your average for sure, but I I, I don't know. He's see, not see. actually a very effective base stealer. He steal he's a volume guy, and his 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 success rates haven't been very good. And so at some point, someone's going to tell him. You're actually hurting the team. Like you're on first base with the top of the White Sox lineup coming up. Don't risk getting caught. <laughs> it doesn't make it doesn't do it, it. He's not helping them. So at some point, someone's going to point out to him that he's hurting the team by running. It, it, is Tony Larusa going to point that out? Because I don't I don't know if he will. No, Tony Larusa <laughs> is not. I think the question is, will somebody else do it? Right, and and I do think that is. But I do think that's the question is 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 you know the White Sox Larusa aside. They're not exactly an organization that like like they've gone after a lot of sort of analytics types of players and they they are a numbers I mean at this point it's getting stupid to even say this about organizations every organization is an analytics focused organization like nobody's not somebody in that organization is looking at at Madrigal's running and saying he's getting like caught a third of the time if you can get that down to a quarter of the time or a fifth of the time fine but if but if you're gonna get on like Again, if he's hitting ninth and he's lacing singles all over the park, and then you've got the top of that lineup coming up with Tim Anderson and Eloy Jimenez and Luis Robert and Jose Abreu and eventually Andrew Vaughn and Yasmani Grandal, like why? And you're in a, and you're in a park where the ball just flies out. Why would you run? Why would you steal a base? You're going to score from first as easily you are from second when Eloy hits the ball 475 feet. So just wait. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I agree with with it from a tactical perspective, perspective. I absolutely agree. I just think that the things that he does well are also the things that are probably the hardest find in five by five formats right now. The very high average with some steals. Yeah, he's not going to be a 30, 35 stolen base burner, but he doesn't have to be to provide a lot of value because stolen bases are so scarce right now. And And I think that you said it right. I mean, the floor there is is extremely high because you know he's basically he's going to fall into being a league average hitter just because his contact rate is so amazing and he does you know have better than league average speed so he'll run a high BABIP and and hit for a high average and then a corresponding on base even though he doesn't walk a lot but I just felt like I I should mention him because you know even though we mostly stay points focused in five by five he's a pretty obvious pick to me as someone to to keep an eye on 
I, although I don't know what he's going for in five by five leagues right now. And if he's even available in most leagues, he's probably not. So, you know, I don't know what his price would be in a first year five by five league. It's probably pretty, pretty significant premium paid for him right now. So, all right, why don't we shift over to our value picks? And again, I'll let you go first. Yeah, my, my value pick is I, I started to list off all those second basemen who I'd be uncomfortable relying on as my starting second baseman. This guy sort of falls into that group a little bit, but I still think he's a good value. And that's Jonathan Scope with the Tigers, back with the Tigers. I, this guy, I feel like he just he gets ignored. Nobody really pays attention to him. He was sort of a, a hot prospect at one point back in the day with Baltimore, where it looked like he could maybe develop into a regular 30 home run guy with enough on base to get by. That's never really panned out. He's never turned into the guy that we thought he was going to turn into. But I, I, I sort of feel like it's almost like while nobody was looking, he turned into a really solid player. And he he doesn't get on base at a super high clip because he, he swings a lot. He doesn't walk enough to get on base at a high clip. But he puts the ball in play. He has, runs decent enough averages to, to especially when when he gets the right bat pip luck, which helps. But he runs decent enough averages to get on base at a not terrible clip. And he has enough power that he can put up the points you need as a solid placeholder, won't kill your season second baseman. And you can probably get him for a buck or two. Yeah. And again, this is another situation where you made this call and I, I completely agree with it. His last 10 price is, is $2.90. So maybe three bucks. And he's $8 right now on the on the surplus calc dollar values at second base. So yeah, it's not exciting. But when we're talking about value and you're getting someone who... I would be okay with him as my middle infielder, you know, maybe not starting second baseman, but middle infield position. I'd be okay with him or a fourth middle infielder that I'm rotating in and out as, as matchups allow. Yeah. I think it's a good call. And I think it's, he's a league average hitter at a position where that makes him one of the top 15 hitters at the position for sure. So yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that pick of Jonathan scope. My pick is a little bit of a Homer pick. It's Ian Happ. And he is currently the seventh highest dollar value on the surplus calculator for seventh for second baseman. And that's with only a 341 weighted on base projection, but he's been at 368 over 2019 and the short season 2020. And he's only the 12th most expensive second baseman. When you look at last 10 prices, he's $11, 11 bucks, right? 11 bucks. Yeah. And, and he's, again, he's another one who's got that bonus eligibility, He's eligible at second base. He's eligible at outfield and third base. That's a better pick than mine. <laughs> go, go pay the $11. <laughs> go pay the $11 for Hap instead of the $3 for, for Scope. That's sure, my advice to everyone. <laughs> yes, but sometimes you're not making those one-to-one choices, right? Depending on where you, how much money you have at certain points in an auction, maybe you, you're left holding the bag at second base, and Jonathan Scope is the best option when you're, you're, you're looking at guys in the $3 to $5 range. But yeah, I mean, I think for Hap, you know, the eligibility is just a bonus. Even without that eligibility, I think he's well worth taking where he's going. And I think he provides some upside even beyond that. Another guy that I like as a somewhat of a value play is Luis Arise. He's the 12th highest ranked second baseman on the surplus calculator. And over the last 10 ads, he's second base 16. So not a huge discount. I mean, he has some playing time concerns there in Minnesota, but Again, he's another one who's got some pretty good eligibility. And if he gets a chance at, at regular at-bats, I still believe in his ability at the plate. 
Yeah, my, my big concern with him is that playing time concern. I, th- I think this is there's sort of a strategic element here, which is I am fine with a starting middle infielder. And by middle infielder, I don't just mean the middle infield spot. I mean any of those three middle infield spots. I'm a fi- fine with them with playing time concerns. If I think they're going to play, let's say, 60% of the time, 70% of platoon guy, something like that. I want my backups playing almost every day. Because I want to know that on the day that my starter, who's a platoon guy, gets the day off, I have somebody to plug in if I want to plug someone in. And my big concern with Arise is I don't want him as my starting middle infielder. And I don't want him as my top bench guy because it's too likely that on the day I need him, I can't use him. And and so my view on him would change drastically if if Polanco really struggles and Arise starts to take over that everyday second base job in Minnesota, or if someone gets hurt and he gets a job back, or if he gets traded, which I think is a non-zero possibility, depending on what the Twins find they need. I think, though, the most likely scenario is he plays, you know, half the time over the course of the season, and that's fine. And I, I think he could do pretty well. I think you're right that he's a good value. I just think he's – it's not what I want as my backup. I, I feel like I'm missing out on the, the certainty I want to get that I can use him when I need him. Right now at Roster Resource, they have him as the starting second baseman hitting second in the order. And being a lefty, I mean, maybe with Polanco he's, on the bench. With Polanco on the bench, yeah. So but the the Twins have said that Polanco's their second baseman. So I'm a little I'm a little surprised. Usually, I just sort of defer to roster resource, but the Twins have actually said that Polanco is going to be starting at second base. So it's a little surprising to me that roster resource has that, unless something's changed that I missed. Well, unless I mean, if Kirilov doesn't make the opening day roster and Rice starts in left field and Polanco's the opening day second baseman, something like that. I mean, maybe they're. You know, literally speaking, yes, he is their second baseman on opening day. But, you know, I, and, and yes, and, and I, I have a lot of leagues where I feel like I'm making a decision between both Polanco and Arise. And it's it's tough because I think they're both sort of squeezed in some in some respects right now. And I believe in the bat and both for both of them. So it's I, I kind of want that that pressure to be relieved in some way. Somebody, you know, I don't want anybody to get hurt. But if somebody were to get hurt, I think they're both versatile enough that it would benefit both of them greatly. So. All right, looking at our notes, I don't see that you have a bus pick. Did you did you have one you wanted to call out or do you want me to just uh I can I can start with this too. So I this this is a we'll call it an extreme volatility pick as much as a bus, but Keston Hira. Right now, I feel like Keston Hira is being paid to to do something I'm not sure that we're sure he's gonna do. So his last ten ads are at sixteen twenty. And 1620 is like, that's more than Biggio is getting, who I think is a, a more, certainly a safer player than Hira is at this point. And so I worry a little bit that there's going to be a bunch of teams that go out and pay 16, 17, even $18 in some cases for Keston Hira. They're going to get a guy who runs some very high strikeout rates and has in theory the bat and the power to overcome those strikeout rates, but that's hard to do. And you can't like I'm not I don't think we're we've seen enough to know for sure he's gonna do that. In in 2019, he did it. He had 348 plate appearances, his overall numbers were really good. He also ran a 402 BAPIP that year. Then you fast forward a year, the strikeouts got a little worse, the walks got a little worse, the BAPIP went back to something that's probably closer to where he'll be, although a little on the low side. 
and he had a 304 Woba instead of 388. And I he hits the ball hard, but man, I, there's just some red flags there. And I, I love the upside. And the reason it's high volatility is, had you decided he was your breakout pick, that you think he might become a $30 second right. like his ceiling is higher than Biggio's for sure for me. I think his ceiling is might be the highest of any second baseman I can think of right now. Not just in, not just on guys I might roster today, but like, I can't think of a prospect second baseman with a higher ceiling than him. But I think the floor is pretty basementy. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, and 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 he's he's the eighth most expensive second baseman right now, almost virtually tied with Mike Mustakas. And there's a non-zero chance he doesn't retain second base eligibility going into next year. He's right. their first baseman. I think he's going to get five games, so I think he's going to or five games started probably during the course of the season. So I think he'll still have it, but that's something that has to be in the back of your mind as well. If you're looking beyond just this year, if he's a first baseman, he's, is he even rosterable? Like he's, he's a back end first baseman, a dollar or two, maybe um, in Audenew, if he only has first base eligibility. So, you know, yeah, I agree. I, I think it's a very risky, I'm, I'm surprised that the price is still where it is given that he did struggle and, and, you know, these concerns with potentially being relegated to first base or, or you know, probably not third base, but losing the the good eligibility and moving into the worst eligibility he could have, which is first base. So my pick, and and this is very much a, it, it, there's a few factors going on here, but my, my bus pick is Whit, Whit Merrifield. Yes, the projections on Whit have always lagged behind his production, but he is going for $21 in his last 10 ads which is the fifth most expensive second baseman. I don't feel comfortable paying him like he's an above average starting second baseman in Audenew. Not he's, not a new, right? I, right. I think this is this is where format really matters cuz uh, and I wonder if his price is inflated, which which I think happens. His price is inflated by people looking at standard fantasy rankings, yep. thinking about their other leagues and he's much more valuable in some formats than others and Audenew does not play to his strengths. What's interesting is I'm looking at his player card right now on Audenew. His last 10 ads for all leagues is $21.10, but his last 10 ads in Fangraphs points is $21.80. So he's actually going for even more if you just focus on Fangraphs points. That's so weird. it's just, it, it, I just, I don't buy it. I think that he benefits right now. He's been worth that because he's hitting at the top of the lineup. He probably will continue to hit at the top of the lineup. So even though he's only $11 on the surplus calculator, yeah, the fact that doesn't factor in because I feel like right now depth charts is still putting everybody in an average number of plate appearances per game. So the effect of him being at the top of the lineup isn't really being properly priced in to the surplus calc dollar values right now. So if you, you bridge that gap a little bit because he is hitting at the top of the lineup, but his base running value and Babbitt were both down in the short season 2020. Is he slowing down? He's 32 years old. I mean, his value is hitting at the top of the lineup and getting on base and and speed. And if if those things are, are you know, if he's, he's he's getting worse at those things that, that we need him to do to be valuable, then, and there's already a concern that he's just not, he's not that good at, good a hitter overall. I mean, he's been under a 333 expected weighted on base for 2019 and 2020. So if you take away the the playing time and the play appearance per game aspect of it, I just don't think he's he's worth anything close to the twenty dollars that he's going for. Yeah, I, I have him in my when my my second base rankings. I have him as the number fourteen second baseman, which is in the 
sort of the top of the $5 tier. My tiers sort of range up. So that means I would go up five, six, seven, eight dollars for him, something like that. But I don't think I'm touching double figures for him, let alone 20. <laughs> even in a you know, even in a fourth or fifth year league where you've got decent inflation, maybe maybe he's an eight dollar guy who you're willing to pay ten, twelve dollars for. But twenty, I'm I'm sort of shocked. And again, he's one of these hitters that that maybe has a high high floor, but the ceiling there is no ceiling, right? Like, what what's the ceiling right now? He's thirty two years old. We've seen what he can do, and I don't think he's going to get any better, you know. So yeah, and and the projections have always, like I said at, at the start of this, the projections have always lagged behind his performance. So when that happens, I'm always waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like, is this the year when the projections will actually look optimistic compared to what he actually does? And I'm just, I feel like that, that fall off might be coming quicker than, than auto new managers expect right now. So, all right, now we will move on to prospects, relevant auto new prospects at second base. We already talked about Madrigal. I looked at my my aggregated top prospect ranking list. The only other two second basemen that I see that don't have like shortstop eligibility or something like that would be Vidal Brujan and Nick Gonzalez. I don't really see any other relevant. And, and now second base is always that sort of position, right? In prospect ranks, like it's the position you get moved to when you can't play shortstop or the position you get moved to if you're a very athletic third baseman who... You know, they, they're try shifting you over to second base. Somebody like Moustakas is what I'm thinking of. But any other prospects that interest you that you would roster in Audony with this position? So that I would roster, maybe not. Watching, <laughs> though, the, the guy, and, and you made your homer pick earlier, so now it's my turn to make a homer pick. Aaron Brocco. Surprise. Aaron Brocco with, with Cleveland is they've got other middle infield prospects who I do think rate for auto new. You'll hear Tyler Freeman's name come up, Andres Jimenez for sure. And those guys are going to be potentially going to be second baseman or qualify as second baseman, but they're also shortstops. And like you said, that's where most of those guys go. But Bracco is a guy who he is a second baseman. He's going to be a second baseman. He popped up on a recent article from the Fangraphs prospect team of guys they think will be in the top 100 next year. And he is a bat first, second baseman, which is exactly what you're looking for in Otto New. And so he is the guy who, to me, stands out as actually a second baseman, not a shortstop, who is interesting and worth watching because now who knows when this minor league season is going to start. He gets off to a good start in, let's say, double A, gets moved up to triple A. He's worth watching. Cleveland has room for him, depending on what happens with Jimenez and Freeman and Arias and all the other middle infield prospects they have. There's nobody blocking him if he can can push his way up. And I think if he has a good season, you're going to start to see him creep up on those midseason lists and on the, the pre-2022 season lists. Beyond that, though, I mean, you're, you're, again, you're getting into shortstops who aren't shortstops. I mean, at this point, C.J. Abrams, Abrams is a second baseman. Whether or not he's capable of sticking it short, he is blocked until forever by Fernando yeah, Tatis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And he's going to be. Or, or he's traded, right? Or he's I mean, traded, if right? he's but using his. They've refused to trade him so far, which yeah. tells me that they're very high on him. And the reality is the, the Padres don't hurt his value that much to them by moving him to second base. So I think there's a good chance they do that. I think Jeter Downs is in a similar position where we probably will talk about him as a shortstop, but. 
I think he's a second baseman, and I think his auto new value for most of his career is going to come from second base. So if you're looking for second base prospects, I think those are the two guys. And then you mentioned Bruhan, who is probably the best pure second base prospect in baseball. That hasn't played, debuted yet, yeah. Right, but that hasn't debuted yet. But I also don't think he's really auto new relevant. He doesn't, his skill set does not, I don't I'm not rostering him in auto new. I understand some people will. I understand why some people will. I, I think his, I, I think his most interesting value in auto new is that he's a guy who's creeping up into the top, you know, 25 in some cases, even a little higher. And so you might be able to trade him for something. If I had him on a roster, I would be trading him before he debuts because I think he's only going to hurt his value as people become more accustomed to what he brings. Not because what he brings is bad for a baseball player. I just don't think it's valuable in this in this format. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I like that Aaron Brocco call. He's 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 going to go on my list of guys that I didn't really have a whole lot of awareness of that I, I'm going to add to my short list. And and there's you know for for auto new managers that apply a bonus for potential puns Aaron Brocco with Aaron Brockovich. I mean, I, you give got to move him up the ranks a little bit for that too. Just, just so. a little, right? Yeah. There was one league I played in where I think every single team name was some sort of player related pun, which is pretty, which is pretty fun. So, you know, he's, he's probably someone's going to get rostered in that league right away. For sure. I, I was a little, I was a little hesitant at first when I was looking at this for, for Brocco. He's a name that, that comes, stands out to me because I've watched him come up through the Cleveland org is only a couple of years, but I've been following him a bit and I've been impressed by him. It wasn't until I went to go look at, sort of go back and look at his ratings, see what Fangraphs was saying about him, see what a couple other places were saying on him, that Eric Long, Longenhagen and Kevin Goldstein wrote about him. February 18th is the article called Picks to Click. You can you can check it out. It's a bunch of guys that they think have the possibility to to jump into that top 100. Yep. He shows up in a category they call confidence in the bat, right? And so when you're, when you're looking from a fantasy perspective at like, who is a second base prospect I want to own in a fantasy league? The guy who they're saying, this guy's going to get into the top 100 because of his bat and not because of his glove. That's the guy you're looking for. So I'm, I'm, I went from him being a guy I just kind of like because he's from Cleveland and he's a guy that is played well in the organization. And I like those guys for lots of reasons to a guy that there's at least some national attention being given to him. And, He's moving up my list because of that. Yeah, and he's probably not someone that belongs on a 40-man roster in Audenew, but there are a lot of leagues that have 5 MLIB, 10 MLIB that are sort of off-roster minor league systems, and I think he would be uh, fit in really really well in, in those sorts of leagues that go a little bit deeper at the prospect. Yeah, I think if you're if you're in a league where there's, let's say, 100-ish prospects being rostered between 5 IML, MILB and your regular roster, he's he's really interesting to me with that. And then he's a guy who stays on my watch list uh, in my other leagues because I, I don't know I don't know what's going to happen with this season. I don't know if he's going to have an opportunity to play, but I'm I'm super intrigued by seeing what he does this year. Okay. Any on the any strategy considerations we want to talk about that we haven't already mentioned for the for the second base position? I mean, again, I think it's just a a, a long middle tier, really no top end tier. There's a lot more names. I guess I like a lot more names at, at the position than Chad does. But in general, I'm not looking to spend on any of the top couple second basemen. But and like I said earlier, the positional gap is definitely lessening. 
if if not already disappeared between second base and shortstop. So anything else you want to call out as far as strategy? I would just say I, I think the lack of depth that I see at second base has caused me, like in League One, I think I spent $23 on Jose Altuve. I don't love that, but I don't hate it. And it's a lot better than where I was going to be stuck, which was starting one of those guys I don't trust. And so while Altuve has some downside, I'm also reasonably confident he's going to play regularly. I'm reasonable confident he's going to put up a, a decent line, right? The floor is pretty high. And there's the possibility that he goes back to being the guy he's been for the last few years. I don't know. I'm I'm a little... I'm not thrilled with it, but I am a little bit more willing to spend at second base than I am at some other places in order to stay in that top 12 to 13 to 14, whatever it is, because I just feel like when you get outside that group, you're getting punished really fast. Yeah. And that's fair. I, 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 again, I think there are names outside of the group that I like, but I, to me, it's, it's also a position that I don't mind punting a little bit and doubling up at shortstop and just sort of just being really weak at second base, just because there is a lot of interesting names at the shortstop position too. So, all right. I think, I think we are wrapping it up here. I didn't mention at the start, I gave our personal Twitter accounts, but you can reach the podcast, uh, Twitter account at Autobot pod. We put up a question the other day, we're going to do an auction strategy episode and we put the call out for questions um, that the listeners wanted us to answer about strategy for, for auctions, any feedback or any other questions you have, definitely send us a message and we will try to get to it on the podcast. We love getting that feedback from our listeners. So, all right. Thank you and have a good night. Yeah, thank you.